You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Praise God. I said praise God. So just following through the teaching that we've started, the series that we've started, I want to just progress in that same series this morning with this message, Upgrade Your Mind. Upgrade Your Mind. Upgrade Your Mind with battlefield of the mind, but I'm asking that you upgrade your mind. Upgrade your mind. Tell your neighbor for me, say upgrade your mind. mind. Let me start out from the book of Genesis chapter 3. We've been talking about the battlefield of the mind and the spiritual side of life and the fact that there are more battles than the eyes can see. The Bible says the weapon of our warfare, the Lord can have a mighty true God to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, when you read from verse 5. Uh, this morning, let's look at, starting from Genesis chapter 3. The fact that what goes on in my mind is what determines what goes on in my life. In Genesis chapter 3, when you read from verse 1, if you talk about any kind of attack on your person, whether it is spiritual or physical, for you to understand the way attacks work, you need to go to the first place in the Bible where man was attacked for the first time. So in Genesis chapter 3, you see man's first attack. The devil's first attack on humanity was an attack on our minds, on the mind of Adam and Eve. What they should believe and how they should see themselves. Let's read our scripture. So Genesis 1, um, Genesis 3 and 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God said you shall not eat nor shall you touch touch it lest you die look at what the serpent said then the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil This begins the attack of the devil on the human race. The attack of the devil on the human race. The first time the devil showed up in the history of humanity was Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1. When he showed up in Genesis chapter 3, they did come to press them on their bed as Adam was sleeping. Because some people think that's the real attack of the devil. When you feel like something is pressing you and you can't stand up from your bed. Sometimes it's just your mind playing, <laughs> playing a game on you. Sometimes it's just, it's just some little, little demons just trying to disturb you. They just say, I burned you in Jesus' name and they will disappear. You'll never see them again. Yeah, that's not an attack. That's play, play. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you the truth. The devil, I mean, maybe some demons are just trying to play some rough play around you. Maybe they think that uh, you, have been, you have been too sluggish these days. Let's just toy with him in a bit. How can you, I mean, just the same way. An ant can mistakenly walk to your leg 
or your foot, and you feel it, something, you know, tingling, and you see it's an ant, when you see that, do you freak out? No, you just shake it off. It's the same attitude which you have towards the devil and his demons. You can't have authority over something and it comes to you and you're shivering. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, if you live long enough in this world, an ant will come up on your leg. Even cockroaches will want to pass, especially if your house is not very much in order, you know. <laughs> yeah. Some cockroaches will want to come and, you know, fly around you, fly. Do you then see the cockroach and start to cry? Yeah. Well, except see, you, you, you're dealing with some, some emotional issues. It can happen. Yeah. <laughs> for anyone who has phobia for cockroach, please pardon me. I didn't mean to. Yeah. But what I'm saying is this. A cockroach is something you can step on and crush. The Bible says in the New Testament that the God of peace will soon put Satan underneath your feet. When he puts him underneath your feet, what do you do with it? You crush it. Yeah. You crush it. You crush it. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made an open show of them. It triumphed over them. That's what the scripture says. Talking about Satan and his court. Our problem is not the devil. Our problem is a mind that needs upgrade. Are you still with me this morning as a believer. The problem is not... When the devil showed up to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, if he, was, if he had the authority and the power, what should he do? He should stab them to death so that he will just annihilate them once and for all. And God knows that he, doesn't, he will have to start again. But the devil did not have that power. All he had is, you know, some corny moves. Yeah, to play on our minds. The real battles of this world, Paul said, are not physical. Our, our real battles are not physical. For we wrestle, but not against flesh and blood. It's not that we don't wrestle at all. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I, I, I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Yeah. He didn't say, for we do not wrestle. But for we wrestle not. <laughs> Our wrestling is not, a, is not physical. Spiritual battles are largely not physical. They take place in the mind. It's accepting a status that is different from the status that God has given you. That's where the battle starts from. It's believing a lie. When the truth exists, that's the real battle. It's possible for a man to live a hundred years and still live believing a lie most of his life. Glory be to Jesus. I said glory be to Jesus. So the real battle is the attack of the devil on our mind. A basic understanding of life is that the state of your life depends on the state of your mind. Mindsets, we call it. So whether it is abundance or lack, whether it is sickness or health, whether it is failure or success, they all depends on the state of your mind. So it's important to know that the difference between a rich person and a poor person, a sick person, and a healthy person is first and foremost internal, not the physical things that they, 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 they are experiencing, but it's internal, it's inside, it's inside. The difference between those who have and those who don't have, 
That's the rich and the poor. The difference between those who are strong and those who are weak physically is first and foremost in the mind. Even medical science agree to the fact that some sicknesses are psychosomatic. Psychosomatic illnesses are illnesses that are born out of mind condition, emotional condition, mind condition. Not that there's a virus or a bacteria that is responsible. And that's what they call uh, pathology, right? The, the study of... Uh, um, uh -huh. So it has no pathological reference. So you see the doctor testing somebody and using all the medical gadgets available to test somebody. They say, there's nothing. But the person says, I'm not okay. But they say, there's nothing. It's, that's when people now start to say, it's a sun attack. <laughs> because the doctor says, there's nothing. Now you now realize that it's an attack because that means what is responsible is inside, is in the mind. Yeah, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, it's in the mind. It's in the mind. What's responsible is in the mind of the person. It's very important. So can you help me ask your neighbor, what's your mindset about sickness? What's your mindset about money? What's your mindset about relationship? I can go on and on and on. Yeah. Because your mindset about those things are important, about the different aspects of life. They are important. What's your mindset about working in love? What's your mindset about forgiveness? What's your mindset about how to relate with a superior? What's your mindset about, you know, many things, because those are the things that actually govern your life. These are the things that govern your life. It's the belief system, the mindset. Proverbs 23 and verse 7. As it thinks in his heart, so is he. It's the mind that then determines how our lives pan out. So when the Holy Spirit comes into the life of a man, what the Holy Spirit wants to do is to affect how you think. How you think. If you have been saved for a while now, you have been born again for a while, and your thinking is not changing, you need to do something differently. Romans chapter 12 and, and, and verse 2, it said, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One of the greatest proof of salvation is continuous mind renewal. Yeah. Continuous mind renewal. Salvation, ladies and gentlemen, is not an end in itself. It's a means to an end. Are, are, you, are you still with me today? Because you can't want to visit somebody on the 20th floor of a building and gain access to the ground floor and think you are done. Will you make your appointment if you stay on the ground floor? Oh, I cannot hear you this morning. It's very important. If I have an appointment with somebody on the 20th, 20th floor of a building, I enter through the ground floor, through the reception, I don't stay there. Salvation is like entering the door and coming into the ground floor. You don't stay there. You start to make progress by gradually changing your mind. And it's only a foolish person that doesn't change his mind. It takes a fool not to change your mind. Yeah. Because the proof of growth is continuous change of mind. Who is a wise person? A wise person, the Bible says, knows the interpretation of a thing. Interpretation of a thing. So it's interpretation, understanding life that makes you a wise person. And salvation... The gift of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, into our heart, and which erupts the coming of the Holy Spirit into my heart, 
opens me up to the wisdom of God. And when I renew my mind from time to time, and I change my mind about how I think about certain things, I'm becoming more like God. Because you can't become more like God thinking like the devil. And you say with me this morning. Yeah. The only proof that I'm becoming more like God is that I'm now thinking more, rationalizing more, and processing things more from God's own perspective. That's how I become more like God. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about this morning. Winning the battles of the mind, let's use an example with how you think about provision. Yeah. So there's a mindset that is called abundance mindset. There's another mindset that is called scarcity mindset. There's nothing a man or a woman can do to enjoy abundant provision if he would continue to lay hold on scarcity mindset. Yeah. For one to break whether you call it a spiritual attack of poverty or whatever, one thing must happen to you. Your mind must change about how you see money and material provision. Yeah. And one principal thing that must first happen is that you must be able to see abundance where other people see scarcity. Are you still with me today? To change your financial status, change your mindset. So I studied engineering in my first degree. And whatever field of engineering you study, there are certain common denominators that you have to study. Yeah. Things around resolution of forces, which is an offshoot of physics. Uh, um, you know, and some common denominators and some, some engineering, you know, thermodynamics, all those funny things. But for my own area of engineering study, which is mining engineering, they made us take electives in civil engineering. So, in civil engineering, one of the things that you learn, you learn about, you know, concrete and all that. Mix. How you mix concrete. And then you learn about formwork. To create a members in the building, we call it members, pillars, you have to be able to make formwork. And you reinforce it with steel. And then you, you have the right mix of concrete and pour into it. If you don't like, or if you want to get the right result, you must be sure that the shape is correct before the concrete will set. When it has set, what, whatever you get out of it is what you have made of it. For you to change the shape of it, you will have to break it down. Don't forget that it starts with semi solid that is concrete mix within a few minutes of that cement binding the sand and the gravel and the steel reinforcement inside it together you must be sure that the shape of the formwork is the right shape am i saying the truth because the moment it solidifies we call it curing when it cures it has cured you will need a jack armor to break it to change the shape. So, and when it has cured, you say it has set. I'm using engineering jargons for you this morning. You will say the thing has set. The word mindset comes from that paradigm. 
When a mind is set, it's like concrete. It has cured and set. What you have is a pillar that is solid. It's a tough job to break it down, but it can be broken. So when the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, what he was actually calling for is that we need Jack Armour to break certain concrete mindset. Set. That's set. Hmm? We now need to break it down. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Why do you think it takes some people months of getting saved because they can you know, grab certain scriptural truth and live by them? There are certain mindsets that are prevalent, that have been prevalent for a long time. Long time. Long time. At the Elevation Church this month, uh, we've been teaching a bit about financial stewardship and um, I'm working with your pastor. We're bringing that teaching to you very soon. And uh, we need to prepare your mind to receive it because it's a hard thing. Yeah. I've shaken them up a bit. Yeah. But this is where I'm going. I mean, uh, um, a guy walked up to me after the first service this morning. He said, Pastor, it just looks like you're talking to me. You've just been talking to me. He said, I can't even remember the last time I paid a tithe. And he said, I know God brought me into this service. He wasn't a member of our church. I know God brought me to this church today because I just needed to hear this. Because God has been flashing me. He said, one of the things that happened is that in the last two or three weeks, he has lost his job. He used to work in a bank. He was forced to resign. And he said, it was when that happened that he started to think about his life. There are certain mindsets that he had about money, about material provision, and how to work with God that he needed to break down. I recommended to him, go and get all the messages in the series. Listen to it. Write, write down your repentance statements, which is the things I'm going to do differently. And then write down what you want God to do for you and come and see me in two weeks' time, and I'll then pray for you. Yeah. Because blessing must come on a renewed mind, if not, you're just wasting your time. Jesus said a new wine must go into new wine skin. <laughs> There's no point blessing a mind that has not been renewed. Yeah, except the blessing is going to result into renewal of mind. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Another guy was, you know, just earlier today too, said, a little over a year ago, himself and his wife, they started saving towards buying a house. So because they were saving towards buying a house, they stopped paying their tithe. So eventually they put enough money together and got a mortgage on a house. And the, the month that they moved into that house, which was just last week, the day they moved into the house, the next day he went to work and a letter was waiting for him to terminate his appointment. And he just got a mortgage and he bought a house. He said the first thing that occurred to himself and his wife is that, is that title. Hey, Jesus. <laughs> we have loved God though, so you understand what I'm saying? I don't want to be distracted, but <laughs> so, you know, some of those stories are just coming to my mind. And it's just about mindset. Why is it so difficult for me to just accept what God said and live by it? I, I remember many years ago, I was sitting in my office at Daystar Christian Center. This was about 15 years ago. I was still pastoring at Daystar. A lady walked into my office uh, for counseling or so, and we just started to talk about her life. She just gave her life to Christ like six months before. And I, I, I just started to explain to her how, you know, how we live the Christian life. And at some point, she just cut me short and said, Pastor, are you trying to say, it's possible 
for a young lady like me to be in a relationship and we won't sleep together. I said, it is possible. He said, no, 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 it's not. He said, Pastor, don't, let's not kid ourselves. It's not. I realized I was dealing with a strong mindset. As in a very strong one. I mean, what kind of discussion to be having in a pastor's office? <laughs> yeah. But I love the fact that she wasn't trying to, you know, cover up anything. And I love to deal with people like that. I mean, people, some of your leaders that are very close to me, they know. You can discuss anything with me. I'm open. Because I know in life, we're always confronting mindsets. I'm, I don't shy away from mindsets. That's my job. Thank God I have a background in engineering. I've handled Jackama before. <laughs> on construction site, on mine, mine, mine site in Enugu. Mine, mine, you know, underground mine. Where you put Jackama and break coal out. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, it takes Jack. So is that kind of spiritual jackama <laughs> that we need sometimes to break down mindset? Because when a young lady says, Pastor, it's not possible for a young lady like me to be in a relationship and not sleep with the person I'm dating, it means we're dealing with a strong mindset. Because why are we discussing whether it's possible or not? I live my own life like that. I dated my wife for over two years and we never slept together. So what is the discussion? So I'm a living proof and there are so many other people. So don't kid yourself that everybody is doing it. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Don't kid yourself that everybody is doing it. Deal with your lack of self-control and it starts from your mind. It starts from, your, it starts from believing it first. <laughs> you just need, first of all need to believe it. Because except you believe it, your mind will not accept it. And then you make room for it. The Bible says you should not make room for the flesh so that you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Yeah. Don't make room for the flesh. It's like make, making room for the rain, like I said. You wake up in the morning, you're going to work and say, oh, it looks like it's going to rain today. Even though it's sunny, it may rain. Shall I? Let me take my umbrella. You have made room for the rain. It's the same thing. Sometimes people in a relationship make room for the shenanigans. By just saying, you know what? Hey, you know, I have this meeting. Can we meet up somewhere? And then... You know, they're not there. They're just into 11.30 p.m. And I say, hey, you don't have to go home again. I just come, come on. In your mind for money, you have planned it. <laughs> no, you have made room for it. Yeah. So when the Bible says, don't make room for the flesh to fulfill the desires thereof, you need to be able to say, what am I making room for? Because when you make room for it, it will overpower you. Yeah. It will overpower you. And it's governed by a mindset. You just need to have the right mindset. The right mindset. In John chapter 6, when you read from verse 5, Jesus was about to perform the miracle of feeding the 5,000. Miracle of feeding the 5,000. And then he asked his disciples there, how can we, you know, the Bible says in verse 5 of John chapter 6, then Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread? That this may eat. Talking about the multitude. And verse 6. But he said to test him. Or to check his mindset. For he himself knew what he would do. Verse 7. Philip answered him. 200 denarii worth of bread. Is not sufficient. For them. That every one of them may have a little. From this passage of scripture, you see two things. One, 
Philip mentioned a particular figure. Two, his mind was working on little, little for everybody. Jesus said, let's feed them. Feeding is all about little. He didn't say, let's give them a snack. Let's feed them. Yeah. Jesus was thinking abundance. Philip was thinking little. And because Philip was thinking little, he rationalized the discussion to the level of his last salary. When you dig into that scripture very well, 200 denarii was like minimum wage for the average earner in that day. Go and Google it, you see. It's what the, the average earner hand was 200 denarii. That was the last amount that Philip had before he joined Jesus' ministry as a full-time associate. So when Jesus said, <laughs> where can we get bread to feed these people? Philip said, even if I put my whole salary down, we don't need your whole salary. Yeah. Even if I put my whole salary down, it will not be enough for this. Some people only dimension the blessing of God over their lives based on their salary. Yeah. God has a greater plan for you than your salary. The covenant is not bounded by your salary. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's, 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 it's boundless in its approach. God said, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. I hold a thousand cattle upon a thousand hills. It's not about your company. Yeah. Even if, even if it's quoted on the stock exchange, it's not about where you work. Even if you work with a multinational, it's not about where you work. God can bless you beyond where you work. If your mindset says, the blessing of God on my salary, I mean, on my life is my salary, you are shortchanging your destiny. Because you will not be able to see beyond that. Yeah. You won't be able to see beyond that. So you see how mindsets work? Somebody with that kind of mindset, there's no amount of prayer and blessing that you make. The dimension is based on that mindset. See Jesus, the, the, the son of the living God, creator of heaven and outstanding. And he says, and the Bible says he was testing them, wanted to know their mindset. How can we get bread to feed these people? And Philip brought every, that discussion down to his level. First with 200 denarii and little by little. Your destiny is not little by little. It's, uh, you need to have, win the battle in your mind to tell yourself there's no scarcity in heaven. To have an abundant mindset. That's how things can happen to you beyond what you can afford. A friend of mine was visiting last week from the UK and then came uh, to see me after our second service. We were in college together. Great guy. Doing a great job in the UK. He's a businessman, minister, but a businessman. And he was telling me, he said, PG, based on the message you preached this morning, you know, it really resonated with me. You know, when I left Nigeria after college, I mean, he was still in his 20s that time. He said, I started working in the UK. You know, he's an immigration lawyer. Made some good money. He said, I bought, I bought my first car. Very good car. I mean, this, I'm talking about a long time ago. Late 90s or into early 2000. Yeah. He said, he, 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 he attends Redeem. He said that the Jew was visiting the UK and, you know, we're doing some things around him. And he said, the Holy Spirit told me to give Daddy Gio my car. He said, when I dropped the car, walked away, when they gave him the car, he requested that the person who gave the car should come and see him. So he said, they gave him an appointment to go to a particular place early in the morning, two or three days later, on a Tuesday morning or so. This was Sunday, Tuesday morning or so. So he went. He said, when he got there, he saw people around the Gio. And they, they, somebody said, so, uh, Daddy, that's the, the guy. That, and he said, the man opened his mouth and said, this small boy, he said he took him. He said, come in. He took him inside and told him to kneel down. And then he blessed him. He said, Pastor, 
That was many years ago. That was many years ago. He said, I don't even know where the sense came to my head to be able to sow a seed and believe that my blessing is not bound by, you know, what I hand. At that time, he was working with a law firm. Yeah. He said he gave an idea to the owner of that law firm that handed them 350,000 pounds. And he said the man never shared anything with him. And apart from that, he removed any trace to show that it was his idea. And then the man skimmed him out. So he resigned and left. And he was telling me, he said, many years later, I said, this man called me on the phone. He said, I'm on my knees. I'm begging you. Because everything around his life has crashed. He said, the man put a lot of money in a property in Nigeria here, and they swindled him. Somebody told him that you offended a small boy. <laughs> so he called and he was begging him. Now, his own law firm can buy that man's law firm ten times. Yeah. He said, why I know that my mind has to work at God's frequency to be able to listen to God and do his will for my life part time. He said, after that experience, said, Pastor, the most remarkable one that happened one day was one Arab man in London that didn't know me, didn't give me a car, a good car. As in, I'm talking like a Porsche. He said, he told himself, there's something wrong with this car. This man wanted to abandon it with me. This is not real. An Arab, Arab man cannot just give you something. He's not even a Christian. He told me, he said, since that time, I said, I can't count the number of cars. He, he tried to count in my office that he counted like 11. Cars that have come to him without him having to pay anything. So he said, that car that the Arab man gave him, he gave to his wife to be driving. That at least his wife doesn't do serious business. So if he stopped on the road, it would be easier than for him to stop on the road on him. He said, my wife drove that car for five years and it never stopped once. So I knew there was nothing wrong with the car. It was just doubt in my head because the blessing was too much for me. Somebody say with me today, tap your neighbor, it's time to have abundance mindset. So Philip said, even if it's little by little, it won't be enough. And it's too much for my salary. The other guy said, there's somebody here. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, one, uh, there's a lad who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many? among so many. I pray today that your mind will be able to grab the blessing of God that is coming upon your life. Amen. It's extremely important that you understand that the major warfare that we have, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, is not physical, but it's our mind. It's our mind. So I want to encourage you that you should be careful what you believe. Be careful what you believe. The problem of the poor is not poverty, but whether he believes that he can be rich. The problem of the sick is not sickness, but the belief, but, but, you know, but whether he believes health is attainable or not. You know, in many places, Jesus wants to heal people and he say, do you believe I can do this? Yeah. The problem is not the sickness. The mindset 
Whether you believe that health is attainable or not. But you know, many of us have lived with many things, many saints. <laughs> many things. I'll just mention a few and I'll wrap this all up. Many things. For instance, you can't grow up with a saying that has become a mindset in your heart that the poorer you are, the holier you become. You know, when you read uh, the story of the rich man and Lazarus and looked at 16 from 19 to 23, uh, when you read that story and you read it anyhow, you just start and look, <laughs> you, you, you know, you just start by, you know, <laughs> you know the scripture there in Luke 16, 19 to, to 23, it says, the rich man died and went to Hades. Lazarus died and angels came and carried him to Abraham's bosom. So I would rather be like Lazarus. <laughs> when you have that kind of mindset, you're turning the scripture upside down. It was not their status that handed them where they handed. It was their attitude towards their possession. Are you still with me today? Yeah. Let me give you another one. Money is the root of all evil. The Bible never said that. It has created a strong mindset in people that has engendered poverty. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 10, the love of money is the root of all evil. Let me give you another one. What will be, will be. Que sera, sera. The moment the devil sets in that and it sets on your mind, you take any rubbish from the devil and you rationalize it that it's just the will of God for you. Yeah. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, the Bible says, for we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and accord according to his purpose. It's not what will be, will be. It's that all things are working together for my good. It's going to lead to my good. For surely there's an end and the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut short. But the righteous must have an expectation. When you stop at what will be, will be, it kills your ability to have expectation. Because you just feel like there's no point what will be, will be. It's a mindset just like I described the lady that said it's impossible to be in a relationship and not sleep together. This one too is a mindset that what will be, will be. No. It's not what will be, will be. We have covenant promises. If what will be, will be, God will not promise us certain things. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. I am the Lord that heals you. If what will be, will be, and sickness can just kill anybody, it won't say I'm the Lord that heals you. If I want to win the battle over sickness, I must receive him as my healer. I must accept that it's my Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. So I'm not going to get comfortable with a particular condition. I'm going to keep re releasing my faith. Paul writing to Timothy said, fight a good fight of faith. If what will be, will be, Paul will not write to Timothy to say, fight a good fight of faith. There's no point fighting. Are you still with me this morning? The good fight of faith is fought from the standpoint of victory. We already have victory. We are enforcing it. That's a good fight. So we are not showing up as a victim. We are victors. You still with me this morning? Yeah. So we already have victory, but we are enforcing it. Yeah. We are enforcing it. We are everyone's law enforcement agent. We are enforcing victory. Because we already have it.
Glory be to Jesus. Let me give you the last one here. What I wrote here is everybody will die of something. It's a mindset that some people have. When people say something must shall kill somebody. I remember when he, when, talking to somebody one, once, just advising him about cigarettes. He was a chain smoker, a friend of mine. And I didn't, I didn't even come from, uh, you know, the mindset of, oh, whether you're sinning or anything. I just started to talk to him about, you know, his health and the fact that he needs to stop smoking. Because even the packet, you know, just picking up the packet and showing him what the, the, the medical practitioners wrote on the, the mandated that manufacturers must write it on the packet. That tobacco smokers are liable to die young. And I just put it across to him like that. Have you read this? You know, liable to die young. And you have young children. <laughs> and this guy looked at me and said, somebody must die of something. Then it dawned on me that it's a mindset that I'm dealing with. And I need to, if I have to help him at all, we have to break it down. Because until you break that mindset down, it's like a wall. Anything you throw at it, it will fall down. Because, yeah, the mindset is already there. That somebody must die of something. But you know the interesting thing? I checked through the scriptures and I saw that some people didn't die of anything. <laughs> yeah. Can I give you references? Genesis 25, when you read from verse 7 to 8. It's about Abraham's death. The Bible says in verse 7 of Genesis 25, this is the sum of the years of Abraham, Abraham's life, which he lived. 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. Somebody say good old age. I didn't write that. It's the scripture. In a good old age, full of years, and was gathered to his people. <laughs> was gathered to his people. We have references in people like Dr. Lesa Somra of Blessed Memory. People were going home and called their entire family together. I go tonight. And he said, he's smiling. Lesa said, I, I live tonight. So he called all his sons, called them to come. He wasn't sick. Just told them, I live tonight. He was um, 92 or so at that time. I live tonight. He was smiling. And he blessed everybody. Yeah. And went to bed. And didn't come back from that. That's how I want to die. Yeah. But you know, when you, when you have accepted the mindset that somebody must die of something. So it's easy for you to accept a particular sickness and say, maybe that's what I will die of. So let me just, yeah. In Genesis 49, when Jacob was about to die, he called all his sons together. And for almost a whole chapter, he was blessing them. Yeah, in Genesis 49. He said, let me tell you what will befall you after I've gone. And was telling them. Oh, Ishaka was this. Oh, uh, Zebulun was this. Joseph was, I mean, you'll be like this, like that. He was telling them. He spoke to Reuben. Reuben, it won't be better for you. <laughs> no, he told, he told Reuben. He said, because you went up to your father's bed, Reuben slept with Jacob's concubine. Jacob told him on Genesis 49. He said, you are the beginning of my strength. You see? Unstable as water. Said Reuben, you are my... F go back, go back. Verse, verse 3. Reuben, you are my firstborn. My might. The beginning of my strength. The firstborn. The excellence of dignity and excellence of power. Verse 3. Unstable as water, you shall not excel. Because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He said, you went up to my couch. 
And from Reuben, he started like that until he finished with all his sons. And in Genesis 49, when you get to verse 33, and when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he did what? He drew his feet up into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. That's how to die. Not in an accident. That's how to die. But somebody will only die like this if he believes in the covenant and believes that somebody doesn't have to die of anything. Can just go when it's time. Death is an appointment and you can participate in the, how it is fixed. You know, ordinarily, appointment should be fixed between two people. Yeah. When you work in covenant with God, you can fix the appointment. It's a mindset. You fix it by working in covenant promises. So you don't accept the lies of the devil. That's the real battle. Death is an appointment. And my appointment is still a long way coming. Yeah. Because the Bible says, with long life, it will satisfy me and show me salvation. All who believe say amen. amen. Somebody say, I'm winning the battle. Because my mind is changing. Oh, come on, say it again. I'm winning the battle. Because my mind is changing. See, every day and in every way, I'm getting better and better. Stronger and stronger. Richer and richer. Healthier and healthier. In the name of Jesus. Say, I believe in covenant promises. I believe that Christ died for me. So I live above the wickedness of the devil. Say, I'm not in battle with the devil. I've already overcome. Oh, come and say it again. Say, I've already overcome. So I enforce my victory on a daily basis. So I will not believe a lie even when the devil drops it on my mind. Say I'm in control of my thoughts. So I choose to, to think on covenant promises, not the lies of the devil. So I walk in victory on a daily basis. Say I'm a victor, not a victim. I'm a victor, not a victim. All things are working together for my good. In my career, my education, my finances, my relationship, everything, all things are working together for my good. Say it again. Say all things are working together for my good. Say my case is different. It's not what will be will be. It's that Jesus has a plan for my life. So I walk in the fullness of his will. I take control of my destiny. According to the word of God. See, I'm engaging God for long life, blessed life, prosperous life. Glory be to Jesus. Father, we thank you. Lift your two hands to Jesus all over this place and bless him. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you for your grace. 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 I have a word for somebody here this afternoon. Somebody here listening to me. I need you to understand that God has a plan for your life. 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 You may not be able to figure out everything right now. 
the trial, you're going to blow the fuse of your mind. That's why you need to submit everything to him. That's why you need to submit everything to him. Someone is, uh, so, someone is listening to me right now. You, you're, you're trying to th- think through the next three years, four years, five years. God said it's okay to make plans, but count on me to perform it. Count on me. Count on me. Don't count me out. Count me in. Don't count me out. Count me in. Because I have a portion in your life. Yeah. So be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't count me out. Count me in into that plan. Factor me in into that plan if you don't want to blow the fuse of your mind. Because I, I have promises for you. So he says, study my word. Gather the promises. I am not a man that I will lie. Not the son of man that I will repent. If I said it, I would do it. I will do it. And I will do it. I will do it in your life over and again. Again and again and again. So God said to tell you, slow down. Slow down. And cultivate joy. Cultivate joy. Deal with that negative emotion. Don't say what will be, will be. Don't resign to faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Glory be to Jesus. Father, thank you for that one person that you are delivering from anxiety right now. Right now. So I speak against the hold of that anxiety. I command the spirit of fear, fear of the future, broken right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And I speak peace into your heart. I speak peace into your heart. Concerning that relationship, I speak peace into your heart. Concerning that career, I speak peace into your heart. I speak peace into your heart. God said to tell you, I've gone ahead of you to make every crooked path straight. Will you rest in my love today? He said, I'm in charge of your future. You are not in charge. I'm the shepherd of your soul. So give me full control. Because I'm in charge of your future. Well, I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but something seems to be coming from my spirit to you. God said, I'm in charge of your future. So it's not about you, it's about me. And if you believe that you're an extension of my person, then let me do my will in your life. And cut away from all the struggles. Enter into your rest. Because I'm in charge. Don't take my job from me. Do your part and let me do my part. That's what God is saying to you. Don't take my job from me. I I presume somebody here is overstepping your bound. And you are getting into that dangerous corner of heavy worrying and anxiety. Because you are just trying to figure out things. And God said, your your life is too big for your mind. It's my job. Leave it for me. Leave it for me. And let me work it out for you. Let me work it out for you. Your life is too big for your mind. It's my job. It's my job. Father, we thank you for this word of comfort. We thank you. For this work of reproof, we thank you. We bless you. We bless you. We give you glory and we give you praise. We bless your name, Jesus. I'd love to pray for anyone here with all eyes bowed and all eyes closed. Anyone here who may be saying, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. I know I said a prayer before by backsliding to sin. I want to rededicate my heart to Jesus. Or maybe you never said a prayer before. And you want Jesus to forgive you your sins. You want to become a child of God from this moment forward. I love to pray for you. Just one prayer. And Jesus will turn your life around completely. And he will give you a new beginning from this moment forward. Anyone at all, I'd love to, for you to just lift your right hand above your head and let me pray with you. I want to submit my life completely to Jesus. Thank you for that hand, my brother. Thank you for that hand. I want to submit my life completely to Jesus. I want him to just take control of my life. I know he's the only one that can forgive me my sins. So I, I want to give him my life. I want to give him my life. I want to give him my life. Thank you for that hand, my sister. Thank you for that hand, my sister. There. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for that, 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 that hand there. God is coming into your life today. You'll never be the same again. You'll never be the same again. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.